Welcome to the Toxic Confidence Podcast. Okay, good. <laughs> Talking by yourself. I am with my beautiful friend Jessa today. The Jessa today. Oh my god, I am tired, you guys. Um, she is a provisional psychologist. Mm-hmm. Um, she just finished her master's. She is one of the most beautiful, positive um, women that I know. And this podcast is all about building up your confidence. And she is someone who I've seen grow and become so much more confident in the years that I've known her. And I think, especially with all the talk about like more therapy being more accessible in a way, but also still extremely stigmatized. I felt like it was great to bring her on and kind of chat about some topics and the stigmas and just a few questions that I would want to ask a psychologist. So, yeah. Thank you for having me. I want to start off. I'm so proud of you just giving people such a platform to speak on various topics. And I know I've read comments on your previous podcast and it's just nice to have a space where mental health can be talked about in such an outward way. So thank you. Oh, thank you. And I'm so happy you're here with me um, to be on here. So let's start obviously with stigmas because I feel like that is probably the hottest topic. And I put a question box on my Instagram. And I think the biggest stigmas that were repeated were that you're weak Mm -hmm. or crazy or that something is wrong with you if you are seeking therapy or advice. And I feel like this kind of goes without saying is like, Therapy can be just a space, a safe space for you to have conversation. There is nothing wrong with that. Yeah, no, it hurts, but I wish I could say say it was rare, but I always ask, thank you, when I have people in my space, I always start off with asking them their stigmas, if there is anything, because some people are walking in my office for the first time, Mm. they don't know the process, and I do get a lot of, well, I am perceived as weak, or it's something where you have to hit rock bottom to go to, and actually, it's not... When you want to take control of your mental health, you say, hey, I need a space to speak to someone. It's the most beautiful gift you can give yourself. It's Mm. a space where you're finally saying, hey, I need to put myself as a priority. I need somebody to sit and listen. And I always give the visualization of like this tangled bottle of yarn in somebody's head. And what that other person is in front of you is just helping weave it out. And so you can see and make the decision. And I always start by saying consult. So don't just go with one therapist. I even recommend this when I'm on client consults. I'm like go see and call different therapists, see which one works with you, see which one you get the best feel for. And it is scary speaking in front of a stranger being like, here's my life story. But it's so strong to have somebody just be like, I seeing human to human. And that's how I view it is just one human to another helping you navigate life. Yeah. I love that. Do you find that a lot of people come to you looking for answers 
Yes. <laughs> oh, my heart. Um, so one thing about therapists um, is they cannot give you advice per se. So what I have to say is say if you came in and you're like, hey, I'm having struggles in my relationship. I don't know if I should break up with my partner or not. Mm. I can't be like, okay, give me the details and then be like, oh, yes, you should break up with your partner. Yeah. Um, not only is that just unethical, it's also a So say you made the decision, you went with what I said, and it blew up your whole life. You ended up in a worse state. I'm also liable too. So Mm -hmm. first up is always my client's health. So a way to do that is a goal in therapy is so you feel empowered to make a decision. Okay. So it's looking at the process and getting to know, hey, what is the dynamic of your relationship? Letting you hear yourself. Because oftentimes when we're going through our head, it's all jumbled. But if you're given a space where you can see both perspectives, and that person, that psychologist in front of you can actually be able to allow you to expand, ask you the correct questions, you'll feel more empowered to come to decision when it's right for you. Yeah, and I think that is that is right there is like having a therapist ask the right questions mm-hmm. because I think that is a skill set all in itself that many therapists do not have mm-hmm. and they just ask very blanket generalized questions um, um, and then the person almost feels like they've paid a bunch of money for a session that okay well I already thought that to begin with you know I don't feel like I got to the anything you know yeah and you just touched upon a great point is frustrations being like hey therapy is like not working for me Mm. and so I always encourage people there's so many modalities of therapies this is why I always get people to maybe ask their therapist because some people are focused just on the thought process some people come from more of a neurological perspective some people come from maybe movement therapy there's so many modalities so maybe something doesn't work and I always tell my clients I say, hey, I do a check-in maybe every fourth session and say, hey, how are we doing? Like, what's working for you? What's not? Yeah. And if something stays out of my wheelhouse, I will always refer out or just client health and their mental health is the most delicate thing you're working with so Mm -hmm. making sure they're safe and seeing hey what's working and what's not and giving them a space to being like hey maybe we're doing too much talk and they need more of somebody who's telling them to feel or Mm. maybe I'm just not asking the right questions so the right questions are really specific in that you have to listen for what's unspoken. So body language is huge. Kind of maybe more we're touching upon a subject. You can see. So there's so many intricacies that go into it. And it's a dialogue. Never be afraid to tell your therapist something's not working. Um, we're there for you. It's a space where you can be like, hey, actually, this doesn't work. I have clients that are like, just that this tool you worked does not work. And that's perfect because I tailor my sessions yeah. to make sure that the tools I'm given are specific. And if it's not working, I would rather have my client come tell me it's not then them saying it's doing it and then we're not yeah. making progress in the session 100 do you find because you are a younger therapist that you have been taught more tools such as body language and also because you're younger and you're like you can see tiktok you can see instagram you can see where people feel emotionally that you resonate better than some therapist potentially yeah it's so different 
I work in a space with all different levels and years of experience and it's always intimidating as a young therapist going in and being like wow 25 years right but in coming to a space I've collected an identity where I can really own that Mm -hmm. I can come to a space where hey I do get the nuances of social media I do understand um, people's perspectives so my niche is with athletes I do a lot of performance and then I work with a lot of clients with anxiety depressions and so in these nuances you have to say hey where has my experience come in just as a person Mm. my personality um, and then making sure to the correct fit for clients so knowing social media knowing the pressures people are facing and how that can come from when we're never turned off we're always looking we're always having something to compare to and that is so devastating for herself. Mm. And especially coming from an athletic background yourself, Jessie used to compete as well. So I think she really understands athletes and where we go with body dysmorphia, emotions, like emotional eating, all of those things that we almost like self-sabotage ourselves with when like the core problems are so many other things. Yeah, so... Thank you for touching upon that because as athletes and being in the fitness competition world, you don't see yourself truly. Mm-hmm. And when you look at yourself 24 hours a day, you don't see yourself. You don't, you miss your personality. You're so focused on your body. And the focus I come from is more of a holistic lens when I work with my clients. So making sure we're safety in the body. And when there's disruption in that, when we're focused on maybe our outward appearance, we're so fixated on that because it's perceived kind of like a threat. Mm. <laughs> so disruption of predictability is what causes our nervous system to become unregulated. So that's where anxieties come in and say, hey, we're, our bodies are perceiving threats. We perceive more with our bodies and it translates to our minds than actually our minds to our bodies. Hmm. So our bodies are always looking for cues. And when we perceive things as a threat, that's when our sympathetic nervous system is activated. We want to either run or we're going to fight. Yeah. And that's good in ways. We need it for competing. We need that adrenaline going. But where it kind of takes a downward spiral is when we have all that energy and we don't know what to do with it. And that's what some people notice in anxiety. Mm. Symptoms are different for everybody. Some people get tightness in their chest. Some people get dizzy. Some people, it's those racing thought patterns. So we have to come into a sense of safety. And when you come to the competing world, if those thought patterns are saying, hey, I don't look good. Oh, look at this. Look at this. We're not we can't get into a state of where we can kind of talk ourselves out of it. Mm, Got you. Yeah. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I know you touched on something earlier today when we were eating uh, breakfast and it was, I guess this is something I guess you can actually give as advice is trying to suggest to your clients to feel a moment where they did feel safe in their body. Right. And try and Mm -hmm. emulate those moments and try and, get back to those moments when they're feeling unsafe right yeah so it's a fine dance and um when i say therapists can't give advice i always want to say they can always recommend and they'll always kind of therapists are really good at giving tools and things so it's not like we can't refrain from everything it's just those big executive decisions we can't Mm. make but we can always share tools we can always share experiences your therapists are human too and so when we come to a state of like that dysregulation and 
kind of the advice on that is coming into safety in the body. Mm-hmm. One way we can do that is actually through breath. And so I get a lot of clients that are like, oh, my therapist kind of just told me to breathe. And I think it's important that clients know why it's yeah. so important because if somebody was just to tell me to breathe through my anxiety, I'm like, oh, okay, good one. But it's the importance of why. So when we're in that state of fight or flight, we need to regulate our nervous system. So by coming to the breath, we're actually able to access more of those frontal lobe activations, which then we can communicate with ourselves. Because mm. when we're in that primitive state of almost fleeing, our digestion shuts down, all those other access body functions don't work because we don't need those when we're running from a threat. Mm. So we need to get our state back into regulation. And so a short inhale and a longer exhale will actually help regulate. So then we can make those executive decisions and then remember, hey, okay, I got this. Or then that's yeah. when we can use the self-talk. Yeah. But we're, if we're ready to run, self-talk's not the first thing we're going to go no. to. And, and you're so right because like the self-talk doesn't work if you're, if you don't have a clear head. And I've gone through like bouts of anxiety um, when I've had like financials issues in the past or like even competing mm. issues. And I always get it before I go to sleep. I get like the tight chest and I oh. cannot fall asleep. Yeah. So for me, it's like, okay, I like focus on my breath and then I'm like, okay, nothing matters. <laughs> you need to go to bed. Nothing matters. Yeah. That's more important than getting your sleep. Uh-huh. And it's a practice. And I always tell clients, I wish I could just give you this tool. You'll do it once. And then these anxiety symptoms will magically wire. No, it's a practice. Just think of anything you practice. Well, even like meditation, yeah. right? People are like, oh, you just meditate. No, no, no. Meditation is like a practice skill. You have to keep doing it. And one session, you might not have a good session your mind might be distracted the whole time whatever it doesn't mean you have to give up on meditation you just try another time yes exactly and I love that because too tied with social media people are like I have this out-of-body experience when I'm meditating or I can see everything and I have clients being like is meditation not working no meditation is even when you have those thoughts it's how you process them in a safe space because your body's safe enough to process them if you're not processing them say you go to sleep and then those thoughts come your body is going to tense up it's going to do those things but if you're meditation you're regulating your body as those thoughts come in and you Mm -hmm. say hey and that's where the talk comes in again you can say is this important to me right now or how who's my supports and you can regulate that more and so meditation is just a space where you can regulate your system and yeah. teach it what it feels like to be safe and then coming back to it in those moments of distress very good yeah. really cool um question then for you are you allowed to suggest like the gym and moving your body and yoga and all that kind of stuff yeah so definitely a therapist can suggest a whole bunch of tools for you and it's definitely what um, the modality of the client so I'm a huge believer too especially when we have about some anxiety to have intentional movement because I, I I've experienced anxiety so many times that my body feels like just you know when you touch I don't know if anybody has touched an electric fence <laughs> <laughs> but I grew up on a farm, so I mean, it's just like this jolt and you're ready to run. And so the gym was so important to me because it's intentional movement. I'm yeah. fixating away from the anxiety and I'm channeling that in a different avenue. So I always encourage intentional movement, whether that's dance, whether that's something else. And so you're able to move and have that energy 
emotions are just energy in motion. So how can we curate that and how can we let that leave our body so we can become in a more regulated state? I think intentional movement is um, such a big thing. And I honestly, I think I bring the word intention into every single conversation that I have with Mm -hmm. someone on the podcast, right? Because even like one of the questions that we got asked in the question box was why in a session is there only talking and no answers or guidance? Mm -hmm. And I'm, in my opinion, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mm You as the as the client can go into that session being like, okay, I want to think about I want to speak from my heart and I want to think like try and pick up key words that the therapist says so I can make a good decision for myself. Because at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. we're all learning and growing and changing. And if a therapist was to just be like, oh, blah, do this that might not be your own feeling or after you've given it 24 hours from the session or whatever, how you're feeling at all. Right. Yeah. And that you just touched upon a beautiful thing. It's the idea of expectation versus intention. So definitely we have some expectations, um, when it comes to how you say therapy and I always go over clients too. I'm like, Hey, what are your expectations? Like how many sessions do you think you'll need to work through this? And you never have to have a goal in mind. Often people are like, Oh, I don't know what I need to work on. And that's kind of my specialty, especially when I deal with performance Mm. because people can come and be like, Oh, I'm feeling upset or something, but I don't know why. And it's kind of our job as therapists to really ask those deeper questions. And you may not have a significant goal, but our job as clinicians is kind of trying to find that goal and then make sure we're meeting you with it. And then if it's changing, bring it up like, Hey, I noticed at maybe your first session or second session this was your goal but it's sounding like you're shifting gears like is this still where you want to go just so we're making sure we're meeting you where you're at if that makes sense and when we have expectation we're tying our emotions to an outcome when we have intention we're looking at what we need in the process and Mm -hmm. I always tell my clients that like especially athletes we're always expecting this outcome and I'm like okay well there's you have no kind of you can't expect that outcome 100%. Like, there's no way it's going to expect it. So let's change gears into intention. What do you need to work on that regardless if you get that outcome or not, you still feel good? Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, and I try and do that with even, like, my opposing clients because I know when I competed high-level gymnastics, my expectation for myself was... I'm a winner. I will win every single time. And Mm. when I was injured and I had to retire out of nowhere, Mm. my life pretty much was over. Right. So now even with my posing clients, I try to be like, okay, what is your intention with this session, each session that we have? And what is your intention with the whole package that we're doing? Mm -hmm. As long as you're bringing like, you know, that one intention through all those sessions to that stage, Mm -hmm. that's going to make you feel better. And I wish I would have had someone to talk to and I feel like that's what a therapist is is a safe space for someone to talk to it's not someone to try and pry open your life and figure it out for you it's a safe space for you to be able to make those decisions and figure it out for yourself 
Of course, and it is, you just touched upon a really heavy thing is when athletes spend all their time training in this and then they have this one goal and something can happen in a flash and that causes us to just lose our vision and lose our sense of identity. Mm-hmm. And it's so important, especially at work with athletes of all ages, to cultivate that sense of identity and purpose and how, who are we and helping people guide in that intention and say, hey, what do you need from me in this moment? And therapy is that space. And there's so many different modalities. Some people do talk therapy. Some is EMDR. So it's like an eye movement. I am not too familiar, so I can't speak too much upon it. But there is that. And there's so many modalities. Like some are actual yoga movements. So I always encourage like clients to look and see, hey, maybe talk therapy isn't something I need. And to look at the other modalities. But it's not. I have clients that are like, I just don't feel like talking today. I'm like, do you just want to sit and like just have a moment they're like yeah Yeah. so it doesn't all have to be talk (laughs) and I I I love that you say that and that there are so many different modalities of therapy because when I was training for gymnastics um I went to a massage therapist who was a did like the Thai massage so it's like the full Uh, yoga manipulation and stuff like that on the mat and I found that that was so good for me to just like get out the breathing and stretching and my intentions with those sessions were to just like unwind. Yes. Oh, I love that. I love that you found something too, because yeah, a combination with like, say talk therapy, stored emotions, like if you have massage, those can be really triggering for some too, especially yeah. when you do with like a lot of trauma, our body does store trauma. So I always suggest if I'm working with somebody that's had a traumatic experience or has trauma, if they're going to see a massage therapist, make sure they're trauma informed because if you touch a spot and you can feel like a sense of like crying or a lot of emotions. So oh, you yeah. just mentioned too. Yeah. That, that was my original practice, right? When yeah. I had finished schooling and stuff is I did like body, body manipulation therapy and body work therapy and a lot of the time it was like you just push on someone's solar plex like above their belly button there and it was like an, a whirlwind of emotions oh, you know yeah. and like even for you as a therapist how do you decompress from sessions that feel heavy on you yeah it's a lot especially when just anybody navigating in the world mm-hmm. we deal with a lot and um especially coming out of covid we were all in houses so we had this perception of safety mm-hmm. and then we go out into the world again and now we have to readjust because everything seemed like a threat so it's how we can navigate with each other too and yeah. so with me when I take on things that are really heavy um I always kind of visualize like a field so I can still still be present with my clients Mm. and not be my therapy session if that makes sense because um sometimes you don't want the worst thing is your therapist you're giving your (laughs) therapist a therapy session yeah so always making sure I am grounded regulated for my clients and then after I go to the gym or make sure I get that energy out or just something with water whether it's splashing my face showering just visualizing kind of in calling my energy back to me if that makes sense cool yeah yeah that's really cool I really (laughs) like that I almost feel like that's like a really good technique for anyone like grounding techniques and like just washing away I always do with my clients like any word that makes that like a word that makes them feel sticky like write all them down and light them on fire you know yeah. what I mean I'm like just get them out of your system yes the practices it's finding what's good for you and grounding is so good just connecting with the earth mm-hmm. and making sure like yeah that barefoot technique has worked for some it's 
every technique we have is how can we bring safety back in the body and feel a sense of regulation because our bodies naturally go from say a regulated state and then in the parasympathetic state because mm-hmm. we need that to be alert if we're crossing traffic or anything but it's mm-hmm. sometimes we have troubles coming out of it so yeah. it's how can we have regulatory practices that work for us that we can come out of it a bit easier when we're in that moment we can just hold space for ourselves mm-hmm. and be compassionate because I have people coming off as being like, I don't want anxiety. I don't want this. Mm. And healing is not necessarily linear. Yeah. And it's not going to just shut it off. You either. can't. And it's not being like, I want to be this whole complete version of myself healing a part of it. It's loving those parts of yourself. Yes. hundred percent. Oh, <laughs> um, that leads me to another question that I wrote down on my page here is, techniques with anxiety what have you found the most common that works a for you or like majority of your clients or something that you do recommend yeah and with any technique i always recommend practice so it's always nice to in sessions if i bring it up and i'm working with a client and um kind of telling from their body language maybe we're getting over some that breath so when we're breathing it's actually funny you can't you don't want to take too long of an inhale because when we do the long inhales that's actually bringing energy back into our body and we don't want to do that okay so i always when i'm working with athletes that are maybe like bored i do the breathing but just do a quick four second inhale and then a long six second exhale is fine even just in session yeah if you need something quick if you're in public it's something that you can gravitate towards even hugging yourself is mm-hmm. a good one so just like feeling that sense of safety and security you know it's funny yeah. I, I always do this ah. and I, people always tell me that I have like closed off body language and I'm like no I just don't feel like comfortable around you mm interesting so your body and I always question that too because like for me I have bad social anxiety so I can feel my heart racing when I'm meeting new people I go dizzy and I know they're not a threat because I don't know them yet yeah so I always have to tell myself okay we're good we got this and just gravitating towards that space and being like okay are they perceived as a threat or is my body just dysregulated and Mm. then making and that executive decision for my own too like okay are they personable or how's their body language towards me because we're we always process information through facial features body language from other people subconsciously (laughs) yeah it's really neat so breathing is a good one hugging um some people said tapping works so i'm not too familiar with tapping techniques um i have a bunch of other friends that are therapists that do promote them and it's just tapping when you have so feeling and it's just making sure those techniques help you ground and then making those executive decisions very cool yeah um my other thing is when people are like in an emotion and feeling that emotion Mm -hmm. obviously like i always say feel that emotion 100 percent, but don't live in that emotion because you don't want life to pass you by like time is so short and i also feel like like you said before with the snakes on the ground thing like half the group is going to see it as a threat and half the group's not like same with like anything, right? Like some people are going to really like that person. You're not going to vibe with that person. Like all of that is okay. But when people feel like certain emotions, like how to like, not even like get them out of it, but like, 
go through it. Yeah, go through it. Yeah, that's a great one. And so we definitely can have a different physiological state to the same stimuli. So like the snake example, I would not be a fan of snakes and I'd probably run, but some people who love snakes would say same stimuli or people don't see it as a threat yeah you know like and that's the same thing like with the emotions as well Mm -hmm. if i'm sad and someone else isn't sad well emotion is kind of just in a way thoughts in our head right because it's not actually a fact yeah so definitely a good thing that i learned was we hold space between the emotion and then the narrative in our uh, head. Oh, okay, So cool. if I can say, hey, I'm scared, but then I'm like, oh, they're threatening when they're really just standing there. That's my narrative. And then that gives me justification for my feelings. Mm. If I can hold space and just be like, I'm really uncomfortable right now between and not make a narrative yeah. in that moment, that can help you actually feel it. Because if I say somebody's fearful, then I'll always kind of stay away from that person. Yeah. Or even it's, it's, it's cool that you say that because the narrative thing is so impactful like someone can say oh this person did this to me blah 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 but you don't see those things as like inherently bad you know yeah um you just think okay well that's just who they are that's what they did and someone else sees it as something completely different so it's almost like you need to take out that narrative and just see it for okay these are the facts is it a threat is it not yeah i know that's a great space and um i have a lot of clients that like to logically play out their emotions Mm. and that's also a thing and they're like oh i know i'm sad i know i'm angry and i'm like okay so what does that feel like and they're looking at me like what do you mean what does that feel like so (laughs) so our ability to feel is knowing there's no right or wrong emotion to feel we tend to label emotions as good or bad when they're just natural states in our body reacting to something and we have to say okay what is it so when i'm angry normally anger is some part of ourselves that either knows we deserve better knows um something's not aligning we're frustrated and that's a very powerful emotion do you think emotions are different for everyone Yes. Because so, like when I'm, because I feel like in my head, yeah. if I'm angry, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I don't know if it's a, I deserve better thing. When I'm yeah. angry, I almost feel like that could have been done differently. Ah, yes, that's great. And then that's why I was encouraging clients. So, okay, you're angry. Like what is, let's go deeper. What is anger to you? Yes. Yes. And okay, where are you feeling it? So, okay, maybe my chest or when you feel angry, maybe your body tightens up. So noticing our cues and then, okay, I know that for anger is, I know I could have done this differently and mm-hmm. sit with it and like, okay, I no, I could have done this differently. What do I need to do to do that differently? Yeah. And then my other thing too is like, is that an over controlling thing? Because when I'm angry at someone else, it's because I think I could have done the job better. Ah, okay. So I'd always encourage you, like we always ask why, like when we're looking at that saying angry, why do you think you could have done the job better? And Mm. that leads us, that's what therapy is because it leads us in that dialogue and the narrative that people have. And then we get to deeper things yeah and I think that's the thing people people don't allow themselves and I'm gonna say this as a blanket statement Mm -hmm. I don't think people allow themselves to go deep enough like yeah they might you might be asking a subliminal question you're like okay well I already heard you 
asked me the same question over and over, but really, did you think about it and change your answer or get Mm -hmm. deeper with your answer? Because there's so many steps and ways that we evolve with the conversation. Yeah. And it's nice to have a person to pull that out because I can say, okay, I'm feeling anger. This word is my body. Yada, yada, yada. But like we could be, we never, maybe the trigger was something that happened from childhood and Mm -hmm. then we never process that and we are noticing these patterns but we just can't quite seem to pull ourselves out we know what we need to do and a good therapist will meet you where you're at so essentially oh no you're right so essentially when a therapist meets you where you're at if you're not ready but you're acknowledging hey i really want to change this behavior but i'm not ready yet it's okay you got it and it takes a lot of patience and holding space you will get there and I know with my clients they always do and it's just holding space to be in that moment because what's worse is forcing somebody you're mm, not gonna for- mm. I'm not gonna force my clients just do it already yeah they don't need that they know they need to change and it's making sure they feel safe enough and they have that empowerment yeah to do that I feel like therapy is such a like a good thing for like business professionals as well especially like for, for myself like having someone that's not in my business or knows my business just Mm -hmm. as a place that's neutral to communicate how I'm feeling or even just like talk in general so then I can hear it without muffled interruptions and people's own opinion of what I want to do. Yes, because the answer comes from you. Mm-hmm. So I do. I was in sales for industrial parts for seven years, and I worked with a lot of large corporations. And when I just gave them face to listen and really feel that empowerment or give them a space to think in different ways, it comes down to like what a leader is. And a yeah. leader is somebody like when you listen and really want to evolve as a person, sometimes you get stuck and it's okay. And it's a space where too, you can hear your own thoughts from a mm-hmm. non-objective person, yes. not looking to get anything out of you. And you can say, oh, okay, that will work for me. Or, oh no, I still don't believe that. Yeah. It's and I feel like if we... S- <laughs> as a business person or someone who like, I like, I feel like I've done the therapy for my childhood traumas and things like that. And I've really gone through it. And I've also learned through therapy. I'll write down things that stuck with me after I have a session and I'm like, okay, well, these are things that I know trigger me and I'm going to stay away from them. Like I Mm -hmm. told you before, uh, there's businesses that I've worked with in the past where it brings up my people pleaser. I want to impress my dad type energy. And I know I don't need to sit here and do it. Like I don't need to be part of that space. I can, and I know myself and I don't need Mm -hmm. to do that. So I can go and move on. Yeah. And I love the empowerment of voice Kendra because that sounds like it took a lot of work for you to get to that space oh my god (laughs) for me to for me to not be like hey dad are you impressed that i'm doing this or are you happy that i'm doing this my dad is happy with whatever i do but because he's not a verbal affirmation person Mm -hmm. i i my whole life i was like well i need that affirmation from men and i need that affirmation from strong powerful men or men in a position of power yeah and that's the best part is once we're aware of kind Mm -hmm. of things we can make those decisions and say hey how do i want to proceed with this and that's all it is it's just giving us the tools with how we want to proceed and bring a little more awareness and that also touched upon boundaries too is boundaries are not made to keep people out and they're not made to be reactive they're made to keep love in and i love that (laughs) you say that because when 
when I first like started going to therapy and stuff, I was like, okay, well, I don't want male investors in my business. I never want to work with men. Like, fuck men. Like, you know, I can't stand them, whatever. Cause mm-hmm. I don't want to have to tell, like, I don't ever want to have to work for a man because they never gave me the affirmation I wanted. Yeah. And now I'm in a completely different perspective. You know what I mean? Where I'm like, okay, I can appreciate what the men in my life have to offer me mm-hmm. and what they can do to support me. Yeah. And I, and they, and I can fully communicate with them how I feel. I don't need to be like this brick wall. That's like, nah, I'm a bad bitch and I don't need a man around. Yeah. Cause boundaries come from a space of, Hey, here's what we need mm-hmm. and the consequences associated. And that's the hardest part is saying, Hey, if we give a boundary and it's crossed, it's carrying out and saying, Hey, well, you can continue to do what you're doing and that's okay. And it's just no longer aligning with me. So I need to take my energy Mm -hmm. somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And that's the hardest part for a lot of people is following through with the boundary or even knowing a boundary feels like, cause it's uncomfortable because especially if we have those people pleasing tendencies, we have to know our gratification comes from losing ourselves in the process. But when we start to prioritize ourselves and our well being, it's going to feel awkward. It's going to feel uncomfortable. And that's another part of therapy is we're Working through that and maybe it's going to feel uncomfortable in the moment and it won't go away. Yeah. But being able to stick with something and being like, hey, it's to keep the right love in. And the people that are meant for you will say, hey, okay, or maybe have a conversation, but they'll align with those boundaries of that. Yeah, makes sense. I love that. And this leads into my last um, question or kind of topic that I want to dive into in this session. Yeah. And that is like the co- most common like relationship chat that you have. And I feel like you touched on that. And um, my girlfriend, Amy, and I have touched on that in our like soulmate friendship session too, yeah. is the boundaries and the ability to communicate the right person will leave space for that communication yeah and it's a lot because it requires when we have two people we have we're regulators for ourselves so say in therapy if i was to talk like this and do this my poor client will probably be amped up so it requires people to be in an emotion regulated space and we're listening with the intent to listen not with the intent to respond Mm -hmm. so I'm not picking words I want to hear and react to I'm genuinely listening and so part of relationships and um, I'm not a couple therapist by any means but I do work with individuals that have come for relationships and it's a lot of work to recognize and hold space for somebody else and it's uncomfortable especially when sometimes we're in a reactive setting oh yeah and we have to take ourselves and be like they're telling me this so they can work on the relationship yeah. and when you have a safe space to do that not everybody does and that's a definitely different story but when you're given the safe space to be like hey this doesn't make me feel good or hey this is my intention i chatted with another girlfriend janine about this i could have my boyfriend demanding something of me i took that as a demand but i could be like hey it sounded like a demand do you mind rephrasing that yeah or was that your intention takes a lot of work to get there and it's up to the other person to be like oh hey no or they could react and i still have to maintain my regulation be like hey i'm not liking the way you're speaking yeah we'll come back and knowing too because sometimes couples 
they can be one person needs space away and one person wants to fix things right away. Yes. That's a huge one I've noticed. Yeah. And so it's for the person that needs time away, actually giving it time, being like, hey, I need space for 30 minutes. And then that person has a clear perception, hey, I can fill my time for 30 minutes and then we're coming back and meeting or, hey, I need two hours and this is what I'm going to do in this time and then coming back. Yeah, it's 100% like knowing what, the other person needs or communicating what the other person needs because mm-hmm. there's often times um I've been the type of friend who wants to fix things right away you know yeah. what I mean it's like half the time people are just coming to talk you know yeah um so just learning what like your friendships relationships family like what they need from you and what you need from them because mm-hmm. it can be completely different with different people as well yeah I- that's a great point because when friends come to us, it's two parts. One, it's an uncomfortable feeling to sit with our friends when they're hurt mm-hmm. because we want to help them. And of course, we want to share it so that it's our ability to regulate those uncomfortable emotions, but also giving them a space to come to a decision for themselves. And like you said, is it advice or do you just need me to listen? Because oftentimes we want to give advice to avoid that uncomfortable feeling and then yes. they have a resolution when in reality... If we can just say, okay, they're going through something, you just need an ear. That is pretty powerful because they're, you're giving them the ability to hear themselves. And so they don't have to go through in their head and then they can come to a space and then they'll normally be like, Hey, what are your thoughts? Mm -hmm. But when you can allow someone to actually share their voice out loud and they can hear it and they can be like, wow, I didn't realize X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And that's really powerful. And a lot of people don't realize how powerful that is. Your presence and your energy is the best gift you can give somebody. And I always tell people that. So when you're uncomfortable and don't know what to do, listening is just a huge thing. Yeah, I love that. And I think we're going to end that right there because this session, (laughs) this session meant a lot to me and it felt so good to just be able to like communicate with you in this regard and kind of go through those sticky points that people might think aren't like not an issue but something that triggers them going into therapy or how they feel like therapy is just a safe space for communication at the end of the day yeah you know and like we can all be so thankful to have and hopefully find someone that can hold that space for you right Mm -hmm. and your partner sometimes can't be that person because sometimes you need Mm -hmm. to just talk about things that maybe they don't understand or maybe they aren't like inept to deal with either yes no you just nailed it on the head is safe space for you to just process whatever literally anything under the sun and they'll listen and that's the most beautiful thing i think you can give yourself is just going in and letting someone help you on your journey yeah i love that i'm gonna tag all of jessa's information in the show notes if you wish to book a session with her or just chat with her she is an open dm or email away um and we're hopefully gonna have her back on here again in the summer so if you guys have any questions or topics or anything sticky in your life that you kind of want to hear about feel free to shoot me a dm or the podcast a dm or anything at all so thank you guys for tuning in um again 